You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, oh man, we made it to hump day. I am stoked and I hope you are stoked with me. I did a little solo number yesterday, but today I'm not solo. Today I got my boy with me. I got Dave. Dave, buddy. You look tan, man. You look uh you look like you've you've been in the sun. You look like you've been out amongst the people, maybe the seagulls, maybe a rum ham. I don't know. How was the how are the northern beaches? I don't I don't know what those are like. You know, it's funny. I had to leave Florida and go to the northeast to get tan. Incredible. I mean, it's raining in Florida today. It's a shitty day. So yeah. Give me yeah, the north beaches right now. It's raining down here too. I mean so I have this thing where, you know, I don't know if a lot of our listeners have done the Northern Beach thing. I've I've never been up to the New York, New Jersey area, but I have been to the Delaware beaches quite a bit. And I got to say, it is nice to not be in the sweltering heat this time of year. I think, you know, when we go to Delaware for like around July, whatever, July, even into August, you saw some pretty cool mornings. The water really never gets hot. So Going in the water is always legitimately refreshing, but then you have people who, you know, if the water's below 80 degrees, they might as well be doing the polar bear challenge. And, you know, so I understand the appeal of both beaches. The worst thing about them up there is that like Memorial day, it was cold and rainy and they're in jackets and stuff. And we're just, just hanging out, you know, playing in the sand. Can we agree, though, that there's like a temperature where it's just too hot to even be outside or go to the beach? Like even at the beach, it's not enjoyable when it's like 105 degrees and humid. That's 100 percent right. There is there is a maximum temperature at which I am willing to spend time outside. Even you're right with the water. I think if you're on the Atlantic side, it, it might be a little different. But on the Gulf side, when the water is 90 degrees, yeah, it's not enjoyable to be there. Yep. <laughs> Don't. I don't really get it. And you know, I didn't really play golf before I left Florida too much. I, I really got into golf in my adult life in DC. And I have had to adjust to that over the past three months that there really is a reverse off season down here. It's like up there. And, and honestly, there isn't much of an off season in DC. I know some of y'all out there, by the way, uh, if it's your first time, welcome. If it's your hundredth time, welcome back. We'd love to have you. Sorry. It's another golf story, but I always think, Dave, do you ever think about like what you would do if you had billionaire money? And I don't mean for yourself. I don't mean buy a nice car, buy a yacht. I'm talking about the 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 ridiculous stuff that you would do for the community or the for instance, it blows my mind. And I mean, I mean, you know, people overuse that phrase, but it blows my mind. I do not understand why a billionaire, keep in mind, folks, a billionaire. If they have their money well managed, they're bringing in what seventy ish million a year on interest, just on like interest investments. Like, right? They're they're bringing in. Wait, is that right? Yeah, seventy million a year just on interest. Why, like, a billionaire has yet to call one of his buddies and get like four of them in a room together and just fund a redo of the last season of Game of Thrones? You tell me I got a billion dollars, a billion. I don't mean, I don't mean I'm making a billion and it's tax. I'm talking net worth a billion dollars at worst. I'm paying long-term capital gains on the cash out. 
I can live pretty comfortably off 250 mil. So that's kind of my delta of spending is like, I don't even have to spend 750. Maybe I take like, oh, 300 million bucks and just say, look, I'm going to do one great thing for the world. I'm going to be the billionaire that gave us all the ending to Game of Thrones we deserve. So anyway, I think about that stuff. And yeah, folks, if I had a billionaire money, I promise you there'd be football year round. I would figure out a way. The XFL. schedules would stagger. I, I might do the XFL thing. Um, gosh, did I ever tell you the story about the time I met Vince McMahon's wife? How did that go, Max? Now I'm interested. It was cool and super uncomfortable. So Linda McMahon <laughs> is absolutely just like one of the nicest women on the planet. Um, she's also, you know, she's older. I don't know. She's probably in her seventies, but she's, she's really pretty. Like she's a, she's a, in person, especially she's like a very elegant looking woman. I mean, she's a billionaire. So I was talking to her for, so I, I was at like the motion picture association of America, you know, they rate the movies or whatever. I was at like some event with them and I was talking to this woman, Linda, who introduced herself. We were kind of in a group together and I probably talked to her for an hour and a half before it hit me. And she had this necklace on that, like, there's like, I've seen nice things before, right? I've, I'm cultured, I'm sophisticated, but it was like a different level of shininess coming off this diamond necklace that I'd never seen before. Like there's, there's, you know, disposable income, shiny diamonds. There's like rich people, shiny diamonds. There's wealthy people, shiny diamonds. And I learned that night there is another level called billionaire shiny diamonds. So anyway, that was, uh, that was kind of it. And so towards the end of the night, I just, I remember I'm talking to her. I'm like, so what do you, what do you do up here? And she kind of mentioned her husband a few times and, uh, like not name dropped him. She just said, Oh, my husband's, you know, he does a little, little bit of stuff in sports media. I think is how she phrased it. And then, uh, the small business association came up, turns out, you know, I'm like, Oh, she's the director of the small business association. I was like, that, that was, I was like, I grew up a WWE fan. I had just like weeks before that been at an XFL game and had an absolute blast. And here I am talking to her for like an hour with no idea. Just doesn't occur to me. And like, that's, I don't know. That stuff happens to me all the time, dude. I'm like, I'm one of those people. I just don't, I'm, I get too caught up in just like talking to everyone, like they're normal folks and like not really trying to figure out who's who. And sometimes, sometimes one passes you by, but anyway, she's a really cool lady. So- to, to be clear to the audience, Max did lie to you. He could have given you sports. He did not use his time to influence her to make the XFL better. And we apologize to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I don't know how we got down that five-minute tangent. But the point is, <laughs> I can't give you sports, folks. We're doing, we're doing what we can. So I think we're probably pretty entertaining. It's, you know, if we're not, okay, turn us off. That's the beauty of the off button. If we are, a bunch of y'all keep coming back. We love having you here. And uh, yeah, we get pumped to see it. So basically the point of that whole rabbit hole was that, you know, in DC, (laughs) the off season for golf is different. It gets too cold. It gets too hot down here. Uh, But I I think the off season down here is a little longer because their most driving ranges are have indoor capabilities. Like they'll be built, you know, every driving range I went to in the area, which was three or four, they would build a double decker driving range. So then the bottom stalls would have coverage on three sides or I guess four sides, top sides and back. And then they would, you know, they, they get like those temporary plastic window things and they'd put those up and they'd have space heaters in there. So, I mean, it's, it's probably with the heater going, it's probably only gets up to 60, 65 in there, but once you're swinging, that's, that's plenty warm. And dude, if, 
I don't know if you've ever played much winter golf. And again, the, the listeners probably think I'm a psychopath, but for me, if it's above 40, I, you, you can get a good round of golf in as long as it's not windy. If the wind's calm, yeah, it's above 40 and you're walking. I wouldn't, I wouldn't drive if it's below about 55 or 60, but if you're walking, keeping your legs moving, warming yourself up, you, you can play. So folks, I, I, yeah. Wow. If this is your first episode, you picked a great one. I mean, wow, that was, um, Dave, is that about as random as it gets? There are no Florida state sports. That is the bottom line. Yeah. Sports aren't happening. So we just went down. We went down that whole thing. So Dave, here's what I want to ask you though, buddy. I did it yesterday when I was doing my solo run, but I need your opinion on this because it is time for the betonline.ag line of the day. Oh yeah. And I did this when I was riding solo. I did the the British Open pick. So Dave for the betonline.ag line of the day, I'm going to ask you for two names. Can you give me one a uh, potential actual winner that you think regard well I mean odds obviously matter, but you're betting on thinking okay, that bet has a legitimate shot to cash in. And then like I did yesterday with Jason Day at 66 or 66 to 1. Give me a value play, someone that you think, okay, if you had to bet on them to win, you obviously wouldn't, but you just think that they have a better chance than the odds makers are giving them. Okay, so I feel like Dustin Johnson's way overdue for a win. He opened this tournament as the favorite, and he's now fallen to, what is it, the third favorite, I think? And I... For my money, Dustin Johnson is the best golfer in the world right now. Um, I refuse to ever pick John Rahm to win a golf tournament. I still can't believe he wins golf tournaments. But give me Dustin what is, Johnson. Why do you? We'll talk about it after we do the segment. I guess we'll we'll stay on golf. But I just don't understand the John Rahm hate. Dude, I'd love John Rahm. I, I hear you, but give me Dustin Johnson to win it as a value pick. Oh look, a value pick is. You know, you've had a few drinks. You're like, what can I throw five bucks on that maybe I'll win four thousand dollars on whatever it is zach johnson won this golf tournament in 2015 and his odds are just ridiculous he's probably not going to win it but he's done it before and it wasn't too long ago and of all the guys that have won it in the last five years he has the longest odds to win it this time so yeah give me a give me a relatively recent winner of this tournament who's got crazy odds you know, I don't hate that at all. In fact, you look back and he did win it in a playoff against Mark Leishman and against Louis Oosthuizen uh, back in 2015. So six years off from then. And interestingly enough, that was his last win at all. It looks like if I'm if I'm reading his record correctly, but he's also won the Masters before. So, you know, Zach Johnson does have a pedigree. It's kind of the same argument I made for Jason Day. I think I genuinely believe there is something to be said about knowing how to win. I think I'm going to give them one now, Dave, and my potential winner pick, man, I, you, y'all know I want to say Brooks Kepka, but I can't, 14 to one is too much for Brooksy. I don't like those odds. The rougher, there's something else. I don't like a guy coming off a knee injury of how hard you have to swing to get it out of there in Violent, the spots. Yep. So my winning pick, 33 to one, I am going to go, or 28 to one, I'm sorry, Colin Morikawa. I think Colin Morikawa is the best iron player on the tour, bar none. I don't, I don't mean for his age. I don't mean for being young. 
I think Colin Morikawa is the best iron player on the PGA Tour. I also look at where he grew up playing. He grew up playing on the West Coast. He went to college in California. You look at his performance in the Tournament of Champions in Hawaii. He's always done really well. He knows how to play in a flat, windy course. And again, that's what he's going to see in two weeks is that kind of wind. And you take that shot shaping ability he has because he's not a lawn darts guy, right? He's not a Bubba Watson on the other end of the spectrum, but he knows how to play a cut, how to play a draw, when to play him to hold up and win, when to play it to roll out correctly. I just think his game is very much suited for a British Open. And I think after winning the PGA last year, you know, I don't know. He knows how to win. He's got that mindset like we just talked about. And I, I think at 28 to one, he's he's a, a hell of a value, but B has a very good chance of winning. Yeah, I like the value there. It's just I need to see him win more for me to be able to pick him confidently. Like I do think he has all the talent in the world and he can win a whole lot of golf tournaments. But if I'm going to pick somebody to actually win a tournament, it's almost got to be a guy to me that's won multiple and in big spots and majors. But I mean, he, ha- you know, I think, I think you're kind of suffering a little bit from the tiger syndrome, dude is like, no, one's ever going to be tiger woods again. Right. It just isn't, isn't going to happen. Justin have- Thomas and Jordan Spieth had some good runs. That's true. That's a good point. Uh, but again, dude, you're talking about a kid that just got on tour two years ago. One of the, a year and a half of that was COVID and he's already got four wins. He's already had to beat out Brooks Kepka on the last day of a major, which is extreme and Bryson DeChambeau. I'll give him a little credit there. So to already have a major already have a T four at the U S open. I, I don't know, man, that's, that's an impressive resume for a kid, his age. I, I understand what you're saying is someone that's going to, that's been there before, but I don't know. I like well, that, him a lot. That, what makes it tough to me is like, I want to pick Rory McIlroy to win every tournament, but he went from so good to so bad really fast when he was chasing Bryson for the swing speed. And I just can't pick Roy to win anything until he gets it back. I know he just won a tournament, but. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know what else that we know, even after a short time, is that we have some great sponsors of this program. And rockauto.com is one that I continue to bring each and all of you almost every time we fire this up because it's a great, it's a great platform. They have really found a way to take the pain in the neck that, going to the auto parts store is while not getting rid of the good things about an auto parts store. And that is a wide selection, low prices, all those things. They are a true direct to consumer price cutter. They, they get around the retailer and they give you the savings while they do it. While again, not sacrificing on quality and selection. So if you have something with your car that you need to take care of, you need to spruce up, you know, their headlights, taillights, batteries, whatever it may be and something a little more complicated. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever you're, whatever you're capable of doing, Rock Auto has got the parts to help you out. So check out rockauto.com. Tell them Locked On sent you. And if you work up an appetite fixing that car, which I know that you probably did a great job of, even look, even if your father-in-law doesn't think it was a great job, I think it was a great job. I think you did well. And I'm proud of you for using rockauto.com. And I'm going to be more proud of you when instead of going Hey man, I'm in, I'm hungry. I'm a little, I'm a little parched. I'm a little famished. I could go for a big soda and a, maybe, maybe a burger. Cause what else do you want after working in the sun all day? I get it, but I'm going to be proud of you when you grab a built bar. Built bars are fantastic. 
They are 17 grams of protein, five grams of carbs, five grams of sugar. Y'all already know the deal. They've got tons of great flavors and you can check them all out at builtbar.com. And while you're there, just use our promo code. It's locked 15 L O C K E D one five. You get 15% off your order. You get some delicious, nutritious snacks delivered right to your door. You get your car fixed, you get your belly full and you're ready to take on the rest of your day. So Locked On is taking care of you with the sponsorships. Again, Built Bar, Rock Auto, do the thing now, whatever. Thank me later. So let's swing over to football, though. Let's let's talk a little bit about what the folks are here to talk about. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you. I appreciate you for tuning in to this podcast every day. And as a reward for your patience, we're going to talk some Florida State football. So, David, we were having an interesting conversation pre-recording that I kind of I almost wish we'd recorded that because it was just so it was pretty off the cuff and I think you raised some valid questions uh you know one of the reasons and then I'll I'll let you talk I promise but I think probably my favorite thing about you as a friend and as a sports fan myself having you as a friend who is a fan of similar teams is I don't I don't really know anyone that matches your your ability to 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 ask conversation sparking questions, right? A lot of people ask questions about teams and what, you know, what do you think about this? And it's like, I can answer it in two words or on a podcast. So I'll answer it in 30, but you have a, you have a good way of getting a conversation going. And that's what I appreciates about Chiss. Thanks man. Yeah. So, so we were talking about recruiting. I mean, what else is there to talk about? But I think you, you raised a point that I really haven't heard a We've heard the questions separately, but we haven't heard them brought together. So, Dave, talk about a little what's what's on your mind as you're watching all this recruiting momentum. Yeah, so we have the third-ranked recruiting class in the country right now, which just in and of itself, I know. If you could see Max's face, oh, it's just beautiful. I don't know that that's going to keep up. I mean, God, if it does, we're going to have to sign some pretty big checks and send them to Mikey Norbell's house. But anyways, so – Join the boosters. Willie Tagger came in as a guy with Florida ties who had coached at a power five program in Oregon. Eh, Pac-12 is not really power five, but whatever. He had gotten some big recruits there. I think he got Kayvon Thibodeau to commit there. He he could get it done on the recruiting trail. No, he 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 fluffed him up there, tried to get him to come here, and then we all saw right. So, anyways, so Willie Tiger comes in here in in his year zero class. It was he had a decent class. What was it? Just outside the top ten, I think the the eleventh ranked class. Yeah, he scrambled and got number eleven in in the twenty eighteen class, which was pretty good considering the circumstances. Like he almost got a top ten class after we had a really bad year on the field and after Jimbo stopped recruiting in December of the previous year. Then the next year. He didn't have a great product on the field and the recruiting class tanked. And here we have, we're following up a year zero class with this unbelievable class that feels like it could be a momentum changer. And the question is this, we keep preaching patience about how seven and five would be a really decent year for us after what's happened lately. But are we going to be able to keep a class together like this, given what we saw happen to Willie? If we're going to put out a seven and five team, which really should be a good thing, like what exactly do we need to do to not have the Willie Taggart effect happen all over again? I think 
Yeah. So I, I have an answer for that. And I don't mean to just repeat what you said, but I think what you asked was, was really well put because you're not asking simply what happens if we don't have a great year on the field. That, that talking point has been hammered to death. I think what I like about the, the way you're making me think about it is not what happens if we have a bad year. It's what's different from Willie Taggart going into 20, the 20, what, 18 season with a top 10 recruiting class like we have now and having a bad year and all those kids jumping ship. What's different with Mike Norvell to insulate us from ha that having the same effect? And I think the answer right. is a couple things. I think number one, there is a better organization being built. I think that Mike Norvell is building for the long term. I think you look at these camps, I think you look at the, the organization of the late, whatever, midnight madness, the organization on the recruiting trail. There is a lot of substance that they then communicate with some flash versus I felt like Willie Taggart, especially looking back on it, was all flash, no substance. So I think that kids can sense that. I don't, I think the modern teenager is extremely sophisticated, more so than we give them credit for. You know, I think we're both part of a generation, frankly, where we were viewed as lazy, entitled, whatever, whatever, you know, Gen X and baby boomers view us as. And I, I don't know. I don't see that. I mean, I've, I've always worked pretty hard. I know that you work pretty hard. And um, most of my friends went to school, got good jobs and, or at least worked hard to, to get where they got, whatever. And I think that this generation is the same way. I just think they're more connected. They're more networked. They're more, they're more savvy about what's going on in the world around them. So I think that they can pick up on when they're getting fed a line. And I think they can pick up on when something's just hype and it's not a great idea. I mean, why do you think Miami, and this isn't just me as a Florida state fan. Why do you think Miami only had three recruits and one of them just decommitted or four recruits and one just decommitted because my, Manny Diaz isn't building anything. The question you're asking right now, what's different? Manny Diaz isn't answering. The only thing different from Manny Diaz between when he was skidding downward and last year's little bump was one transfer quarterback. And unless you're Lincoln Riley out at Oklahoma for some reason, that's not a sustainable, scalable model. You just you can't build a program off that. Manny Diaz has shown no ability to build a program. And I think it was the same with Willie Taggart. What's up, guys? Drake here. Did you miss me? Nah, I'm just kidding, folks. That was part one of our, as you can tell, when Dave and Max get together, things get a little bit, you know, off the rails, because I'm not going to lie to you, I'm usually there to help them, guide them to the end point, but this was such a good sit-down between the two of them, especially with this topic, that we actually are publishing part two of this conversation tomorrow as our episode. So please, if you can, as always, don't forget to rate, review, like, share, subscribe, or follow, either our podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast from. For Max and Dave, I'm Drake. We'll see you tomorrow for part two of this conversation on Locked on Seminoles. Take care, everybody.